Hello and welcome to Gaming the Podcast. In this episode, we're looking at the legacy of Kane's Soul Reaver and discussing what we'd like to see from and how we would handle a full remake of the game if it were to happen today. My name is John Robertson and I'll be joined shortly by Stace Harmon and together we are Indie by Design, video game design consultants and authors of books that celebrate game design, culture and history. Do visit IndieByDesign.net, that's IndieByDesign.net for more on the books that we create. But for now, come and join us on a journey of rediscovering Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver. Here's a clip. I know you, Raziel. You are worthy. What madness is this? What pitiful form is this that I have come to inhabit? Death would be a release next to this travesty. Okay, so Soul Reaver. Uh, Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver. Why... Uh, why are we here in the first place? Why is this the game that we want remade? Of all the games that could be remade, we've chosen this one. Yeah. Well, it has a very rich history, right? Like, so we both we both played it many, many years ago. 23 years ago, Soul Reaver came out, which, you know, does all sorts of things to my uh, my mental well-being and how old I feel. Uh, so we we played it a long, long time ago. It was It was a brilliant game at the time. And I think with the, in the right hands and done the right way it could be more than just kind of a a direct remake i think there could be a lot of like modernization with it um and we've talked about this recently but there is a there is a real lack of really interesting really exciting vampire games or games with vampires in them so there's a real like it's it's a i think it's an undermined uh niche and undermined or undermined <laughs> under undermined yeah well you know it's a, it's one that hasn't been mined much um so there's there's a lot of scope here there's a lot of potential and it's also a series that has a very dedicated fan base and i think that's the thing you know as much as i had my own memories to fall back on of the original game doing a lot of research for this um this episode it's very clear that there is a very passionate fan base out there that keeps a lot of the kind of the wikis and the 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 Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver, Blood Omen um, properties kind of alive or mm. undead um, mm. with the amount of knowledge they have and the amount of passion they have for it. So I think there's there's an audience, there is a there's a desire for to see something that's a little bit different. Um, and I think it's it's just yeah, like it has. We've seen that there can be some very exciting, very very well done remakes. So I think this would be a good a good property to revive or, you know, even a, even a full sequel, but that's a, that's a separate episode, but yeah, a remake of, of soul reaver, um, should be on the cards somewhere. Yeah. Um, it is. But. Yeah. I, I think when I, um, I think what struck me about it when I first played it and I can't remember if I played it when it first came out or if it was like a bit later, but anyway, it was PS1 era when I, PS1 was still the dominant console when I played it at least. Mm. And, um, I think like what struck me about it then was that it was maybe the first or certainly one of the first 3D action adventure games that was really intelligent and made you think about both its the narrative and the lore and the characters and all of that mm. and, and the depth there but also the gameplay and like the the spectral material realm switching and the different um like tools and items that you get over time that abilities that you get over time that kind of open up uh 
the way that you thought about the game differently and what you could achieve in the game as the game went on. Um, I just remember that there's just being a lot of real food for thought about you know how games work and how games make the players feel and how games make you feel more or less powerful over time as you as you play them and as you do new mm. and different things in the game and how the spectral and the material realm this the switching between them um you know it was, it was quite it was blatant but it was a really effective way of getting you to think about the same spaces in different ways and having two yeah. kind of what would normally be separate places kind of combine into one thought process, you know, and you had to, you had to pick and you had to pick uh, and engage with both sides, both realms at the same time in order to understand how to get through yeah. the level. You know, once yeah. you, when you're in one realm, you also had to think about the other realm at the same time. So both kind of existed in your minds as one, as yeah. one big picture. In a way. Yeah. In a way that I think doesn't happen. Like it's, it's, I reckon it's probably easier, or at least it's it's certainly more common. Who knows if it's easier? More common to just have a bigger map that has different areas, probably different biomes. This had that to an extent for sure. But that when you're in one, you're not necessarily thinking directly about the lessons of another. So you're not thinking about, well, in that fire biome, I had to jump on these blocks that then burst into flames. And when you're in the ice biome, you know, is there a parallel or is it just a different thing? Oh, they're slippery instead of, you know, bursting into <laughs> Sounds flames. Sounds like you're clearly. totally trashing Mario right here. A lot of people like Mario. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is a game like that already. Yeah. Um, so, but here it's very much like, yeah, you are thinking about that same space in this sort of duality of purpose of like, well, what? And you're viewing things in, in exactly as you've said, in, in one realm as, okay, but if I switch to spectral, what's that going to look like? Is there going to be a block there? This And you start to learn that about the design. You start to learn the notion of this looks like the kind of place that would have something in it if I if I switch over. And that, I think it meant that it could be, it didn't have to be a massive map. Like it was quite a, you know, quite a relatively, relatively small map, but that had those two 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 different planes that made it more interesting than just let's add kind of the added vertical depth rather than just like, let's add, let's add breadth to it by having mm. more and more areas. So, and that, I think that particular element of it could be done really well. Like, so the map for a start, the start there, I guess, in terms of what would a remake look like or what would we want from a remake? I think that in a day and age where there's a lot of obsession about, Oh, how big's the map? Oh, it's an open world or, you know, it's a semi-open world. How big is the map? Well, I don't think we should worry too much about that. I think I would rather see it be a condensed map that is far more detailed. Something like, I don't know, pluck, you know, one of the many areas of Elden Ring, for example, and like just have everything, have stuff to do all over the place, uh, but have this duality of the two, the spectral and the material realm really Mm. designed into the game, into the identity of the game, not just, oh, to, to solve this puzzle oh, I can do this and there's now blocks there that I can jump up and get to that area that I can get to before. But really the two places exist and have a purpose outside of just block puzzles or environmental puzzles. And so that, I'd like to see that kind of, because it's a unique part of the game and this is sort of a common theme of my, the notes that I've got about this is really leaning on the uniqueness of Soul Reaver and the Legacy of Kane series as a whole, rather than it just being sort of a a reskin of a different open world game. Like I want it to really lean into, you know, the horror stuff as well, which we'll go into later. But yeah, this is where it starts kind of that, 
the map is where it starts. And I'd a bit further yeah. than that, I'd I'd like to see it be like Raziel's or Raziel, depending on how you pronounce his name, Raziel's memories of that map. So in terms of how the mechanics of how you might unlock the map, because it's a direct continuation of Blood Omen, and it's I think it's like fifteen hundred years or something to that effect, um, after the events of Blood Omen. Um and then possibly uh Razil then I think is like in in that falling for five hundred years. But anyway, it's a it's a good long while. So I'd like to see the map be like Razil's memories of what his environment looked like at the time he was cast out. And then so the map's there. Like there isn't this thing of going to towers and unlocking the map. The map is there, but it's an imperfect memory. And so you travel around and so you yeah. think, Oh, there was a palace there or there's a castle there. And you get there and it's in ruins. And there's you know, there's like more of a personal tying it to Raziel rather than just you are a visitor to this world it's like this is kind of his world but it's not as he remembers it because yeah I like yeah I like the idea that you've got a map and it's essentially out of date and you're kind of you're updating it as as you go it's interesting you said about Elden Ring because when I was thinking about like what kind of form the game would take in terms of in terms of its space its environment I was thinking that an open world but with like level areas mm-hmm. like like in like in Elden Ring you know you've got a big open world but then there's a big castle and there's a big mm. underground mine or whatever um that would work really well and being able to flip between that and the spectrum at a press of a button which you could do on like modern PCs and PS5 that would mm. be totally fine I'm sure Xbox managed it might be a bit slower loading time but um you know unlike Ratchet and Clank on PS5 they prove they can just load yeah. instantly so like i don't think that would be that technically that would that, that wouldn't be a problem and you would have you to have a great frame rate and everything you wouldn't need to run both levels at the same time you just load it in instantly um and then i was also i was thinking that the the way that you would progress and unlock stuff like how the way you would go through the map um and explore new areas unlock new areas and I was thinking that it could be essentially like an open world, but with levels <laughs> and you can, and you can split between, and you can flip between the realms as much as you want, but it would kind of have like a Metroidvania kind of approach to getting mm-hmm. through new places. Um, so it could be like, you know, you're, you're in this area, but you don't have the tools to, I don't know, burn the vines or whatever, whatever sure. Metroidvania yeah, yeah. sort of cliche. Like, it wouldn't be that, but you know, some, you'd have to find a tool or gain an ability to progress past. And then when you're saying about the, it would be his memory of the map that you're playing to until you update those, those areas. Um, it could be that his the abilities and the tools that he's finding are also things that he knows of. So like, mm. Mm. so like when you came up against like the vines that you need to burn down, he could say like, Oh, if only I had that thing that I used to have yeah. 2000, yeah. 2000 years ago. Um, and then that would be like the kind of progression system. So it would be open world, but it would also be not linear, but like you would be the pacing would, uh, the pacing of, unlocking stuff would be somewhat predetermined yeah. because you'd gatekeep as a designer you'd gatekeep which areas are needed uh, sorry which tools are required in order to progress past a certain area so you'd still you'd still know that the player has to do a then b then c in in yeah in order to get yeah. through so it wouldn't be totally open worlds 
Um, although I think the some exploration elements would be beneficial. And I was thinking, like, why wouldn't it just be fully open world, do whatever you want, like Elden Ring, go go elsewhere and do whatever. And I and I think for a game like they're like remaking Legacy of Kane with such a um a focused well, I was going to say focused narrative. It's not necessarily that focused. It go, kind of goes in a lot of places, but like a a, a precise narrative, like a precise yeah. plot. Yeah. You need, I think you probably need to, yeah, you can't have, um, if you wanted to keep that story, you can't have a player just coming up against the last boss immediately. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think like a, so and a, yeah, and I think in order, in terms of staying true to the original or the be recognizable as the original, I think maybe a fully open world is kind of a, maybe a sequel or something, you know, it's like a new entry, a semi open Always world. Always go bigger in the sequel, a huge oh, course, open, yeah. one million <laughs> square miles. Yeah. But they, yeah, a, a, like something that opens a cluster of regions, because another thing that I'd like to see is, and that I remember from both Soul Reaver and, and Blood Omen particularly, was, it had a very strong cast of characters. It had a cast of characters that felt like they had their own motivations and they weren't just there to thwart the player. They were trying to do their own thing. Like they had their own, you know, schemes. They had their own motivations and manipulations and mm. having a lot more of that here. So I imagine like having, yeah, following the kind of semi-open world idea, having that you open perhaps a cluster of regions together, because what I'd like to see is the notion that you don't just go into a region rinse it get the power and then you're done like and this is kind of what you're alluding to they're talking about like zelda chris zelda's yeah. like that yeah it is and so there's a crisscrossing potentially here with i need to come back here later once i've got x or i or i you know either i have to for progress or i should do because there's some cool stuff here that i could get into if i've got this particular power or mm. tool or whatever it is but open opening a few kind of of these regions in one go meaning that you can tackle those in any order um but maybe they're limited to sort of three perhaps three or four and following the same narrative with like you're going to visit basically his brothers and mm. then you're seeing through Razil's eyes as well what his brothers have become they've been twisted into these monstrosities there's a lot of kind of uh relationship stuff there that can be you know because there's an element of like they're sympathetic to what's happened to Razil because you know they were just doing what Kane told them He's been disfigured. He's been, he has this like, why do I exist uh, air about him? And they have a similar thing, but they've lived through the last 500 years that he was just floating through the, uh, through the ether. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a, like a, I'd like to see like a, the manipulation element play out here with, you don't have to just go and kill every boss. It's like, there's maybe like a shadow of Mordor kind of thing um, where there's like a, not necessarily a nemesis system, but you can go and get people on your side. It's not just about, it's like, you know, the enemy of my enemy kind of thing. Like you can go mm. and talk to these people and do things for them. And then they are more likely to come onto your side. And it might be that ultimately you have to, you have to kill them all. You have to betray them all perhaps, or maybe there's ways of getting the stuff that you need without doing that. But this thing of like using those familial bonds of, of a sh- and a shared history, using that, in the moment of the gameplay rather than just, Oh, isn't it sad that we used to be brothers and now we're enemies and okay, now you're dead. Give me your special power. Like Mm. there's more of a, there's, it takes longer to build and it would take some juggling because you'd have to manage the relationships. And it's like, well, if this person's alive and this person's alive, how does that affect X? But there's like, it can be done on a relatively simple basis of just, you can team up with this person against this person. And maybe, 
maybe nothing else, you know, in this remake. Again, maybe there's a sequel where it's a bit more of a spider web of kind of um, of relationships. But yeah, something that plays on that strong cast of characters and the narrative, which I remember feeling at the time was very... It was one of the first games I remember feeling was very, like, it felt mature. It felt like it was taking itself seriously and wasn't too bothered about whether you got it or not it was it was kind of one of those like well i am what i am it wasn't that bothered about like trying to make you understand everything it could have a relatively complex narrative and again particularly blood omen um so are you saying that some of the bosses could be defeated through diplomacy not combat effectively yes and that yeah i know but or even at the very at the least it could be that you don't there is the opportunity to team up until such time that you then have to deal with it a different way. You know, maybe it's a bit more a bit more linear than that, that at some point you're going to have to kill all these people. And, and perhaps they know that, like they know that that's in that's in the offing, that the only way for you to ascend or the only way for you to get ultimately what you want is to kill them. And they know that as characters and they're you know, Razil and, and his brothers are having conversations around that. But something that really digs into the fact that it was a strong cast of characters that, and I had like sympathy, you know, cause this is, these are like, this is a, an anti-hero thing, but, and Razo is more of an anti-hero, I think, than say Kane was. Kane in Blood Omen was much, he was basically just a villain. Like he was so far, you know, beyond being an anti-hero that he was really just a villain out for revenge. But so there's a, yeah, there's a relationship thing here that could be managed. So yes, you could talk to them, get them on side, you know, they'll lend you their forces or their armies or here's this special trinket to, that you can use to go and defeat my brother who I've got you know beef with because stuff's happened in the 500 years that you've been away mm. but ultimately you're going to have to kill them and, and that creates this tension that they know and you know they're perhaps they're planning for that in the background so it's just like it's again I think this just leans on the uniqueness or what felt like a uniqueness at the time of fleshed out characters that that actually have more going on than just oh yes i was just sat here in this arena waiting for you to turn up so i yeah. could fight you you know or oppose you at least um yeah yeah um yeah it's interesting because one of the sort of pillars of the remake that i that i've got here is that the focus it'll be good if uh, around combat uh which could just be expanded to be around engagements with other like other characters mm. Um, is that there should be a focus on being smarter than your opponents rather than just mm. like constantly, you know, just bashing them with a combo over and over again or something. Yeah. Um, not only on on both like the regular enemies and and the bosses as well, but particularly the bosses. Um, like you know, um, rather than well, yeah, rather than just smashing with a combo, it would be like yeah. you need to figure out something in the environment that you need to utilize your advantage or you know you need to figure out where the weak spot is but in order to get to the weak spot you're not just smashing away at armor you've got to like induce a certain behavior from them Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. or something so on that on that side i think that there should still be like 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 what you're saying like there's the boss fight shouldn't be taken away from the game as as like killer killer moments like amazing set piece yeah 
Moments. Something that uses the material and the and the spectral plane in that way, like the ability to pull them into one or the other and switch between the two. I can imagine like a an extreme, like a Devil May Cry kind of, you know, combo chain where you're switching between the spectral and the material realm and using the environment and like I mean that would be Yeah, that'd awesome. be cool, yeah. But yeah, and something that yeah, I think along those lines was something that where you don't Killing every enemy isn't necessarily the best course of action. Perhaps, like Resident Evil, you know, perhaps you've got limited resources and sometimes just running past enemies is the better call because, I don't know, you need to use... There's five enemies to kill, but only three stakes at hand or, you know, something, whatever it is. Yeah, well, I was thinking that that could be... um, That could be encouraged by having, like, a very strict, like, health mechanic where like your health is difficult to get back or enemies do mm. a lot of damage to you almost like playing like early early levels of bloodborne or something mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. where you choose your engagements kind of thing yeah, yeah. like you yeah. do you do kind of end up killing everyone um in that actually <laughs> as you go because you want the souls like, i'm not gonna um, kill that yet i'm gonna I was like, that's a big dude um if i can creep past i might do i'll come back to that yeah. there is yeah there is that decision make it's not just yeah. you know, full-on um although that that actually gets a that gets an interesting point here so in terms of leveling up or whatever gaining abilities i was thinking that uh, and this would this would be this would be where the pacing would and the order of doing things would mm. need to be kind of more strict than uh, Elden Ring, like we said. Mm. Um, in that, like you know, you'd need like a certain item, a certain ability, a certain weapon in order to kill a boss. Um, so you'd need to get that before you killed the boss. And I was thinking that like we could just do away with any leveling up system any like xp and all of your gains uh again like zelda i suppose could just come through um although also like the original can come through um gaining items that give you new abilities and then that's how you that's how you engage more with the world that's how you do more stuff that's how you have more choice about how you go to defeat enemies or how you get, mm. how you avoid enemies or which areas you go in or what you can and can't do in each each plane um and then i was taking that one step further and the soul reaver the actual soul reaver the weapon mm-hmm. that could almost become like the main secondary character because maybe what you what you you don't get new items. You just get new abilities for that sword. Yeah. So, so then yeah. that sword becomes like you know, there has a chance to become like a legendary weapon in video game history yeah. because you're just adding yeah. adding to that thing all the time. And then that sets up the possibility that because everything is located in one, it's not a single source of power because Rezio himself has power, but his single weapon, like the weapon of of legends, basically. Mm. Um, that could, like, you know, it's, it's such an easy win. Like, okay, well, now we're going to take that away from you for the next three hours. And now you've got to, like, just, you know, mm-hmm. be stealthy or just rely on your regular movement to um, yeah. to get through. And, like, yeah, you could maybe, like, tussle with some enemies, but maybe not. Maybe you wouldn't have the ability to kill them. Like, you'd have the ability to, like, parry them or avoid them or, you know, get past yeah. them in some way. Yeah. But you But you couldn't just... Well, um, yeah, like the Elden Ring, you down them, but then they, like the skeletons, they just get back up. So it buys you some time to get away or to manoeuvre, but ultimately, yeah, you're not you're not able to put them to rest because you've lost your 
Yeah, yeah. Main, and you and you like, can have a boss fight where you don't have the weapon or something mm. like that. Like one of the, what is it? Five brothers? Is it? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, like one of one of those major boss fights, one of those key pillar, key moment, um, key plot beat fights could be like without the sword or whatever. I know mm. that's going into quite a a, a great granular granular detail, but it's just no, like the kind yeah, of things it's... that are possible when yeah. you when you limit the player's tools to all being around a single thing uh, then um it's easy as a to use that single tool as a plot device mm. as well as just like yeah. a mechanical means of interacting with the game yeah and i th- I, I, th- I also really like that idea of like maybe having a boss fight twice because it builds the character it's a bit like in D when you show you know <laughs> show the players your super baddie and they you know, you need to be clever about that because there's a good chance they're just going to wail on that enemy and kill them in a much quicker time than you had anticipated. And then they're gone. So introducing them in this way that you're talking about with like a boss fight that you can't win, you can only fight it to a standstill and then them coming back later. And then you do, and it's, you know, hopefully it's a different boss fight, not just the same boss fight, but now you've got a weapon. Um, Yeah. It adds that kind of progression. It adds that, that, that story progression that kind of drama of you know next time i'll get you kind of thing well yeah and like like you could just barely escape with your life Mm. um and then you come back stronger next time i mean it's it's luke skywalker and darth vader but uh, (laughs) all um, the best stories yeah and i'm also a sucker for a weapon that does a lot so there's there was a cartoon on when i was a kid even even before soul reaver back in the 80s uh called ulysses it had a date on it, Ulysses, like 2077 or something, 2099, something to that effect. Um, and it was very much the, you know, the the, the story, the, the Greek, Greek myth. Um, but it was, he had a, it was set in space, mm. which is where the 2099 bit, whatever the, whatever it was. Um, Everything and he in 2099 a, will be in space. Yeah, for sure. The earth will it, be destroyed, will be. He had, a, he had a laser gun that was also basically a lightsaber, like a sword came out the top of it. And I, I also thought he had a shield on that, but I looked it up and he, he had a shield on us on his other arm. But like, and then there was a, there was, I think it was a, was it a resistance game? Was that a PS4 launch title? Whatever that resistance game was, I think it was resistance. Yeah. Um, your gun in that turned into multiple things. It was like a, mm. you know, an assault rifle, a sniper rifle. And it just, you had this one weapon, you picked up other weapons, but to start with, I think you had this one weapon that was also like a grappling hook. And I'm just, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Like a, a one tool that then adapts into other things, I think would be, yeah, that would be great. Rather than having this, this inventory of like, you know, 15 weapons, just give me one thing that can do multiple things. And a sword that can also be a whip and a grappling hook and a, you know, everything else is, sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in on that for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So then, so we, we've got like a rough world structure got some sort of interactions and the enemies the puzzling would be on like the dual plane thing um and yeah i would really i like to see that really densely packed so it's not just oh here's the bit where i obviously need to switch to the the spectral plane in order to get up there it's like it's there's interest in doing that just all the time like they are two separate places effectively that exist in the same space um and you're just yeah you can switch between them and there's you know perhaps side quests not literally an npc stood there waiting to give you a side quest but there's things to explore and yeah there's various things things you can yeah there's various things you can do with that rather than just um you'd have to 
in, in keeping with the law, but like there's various things you could do with that. Like it doesn't need to just be, um, you know, the door's open in this realm and it's not open in that realm. It could be mm. like, you know, there's like in this area of the spectral plane, there's like a subtly different um, strength of gravity or, mm-hmm. or there's, um, you know, whatever, like these, uh, these items act differently in this area than in that area. Like it could be more complex yeah. than, than just, yeah. um, yeah, the doors open here. It's not open there or some variation of the doors open here. It's not open there. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a block missing in the castle and then there's not a block missing on this side, you yeah. know, some for yeah. just, 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 uh, just different routes something that mirrors yeah like so there would be different biomes invariably there'd be different biomes in the material world but then something in the spectral realm that plays off the uniqueness of each biome in that way that you're talking about so yeah perhaps you know there's the the biome is the sort of standard fire ice all the rest of it but in the in the spectral realm in the ice biome there's something that makes narrative sense or thematic sense um in the way that that realm behaves. And so you're still, not only are you having to think about it on those two levels of material and spectral, but you're having to think about how the spectral realm behaves depending on where you are. And that, which could also then tie into like the tools that you get and the abilities that you get and utilizing different things in different ways. I think that, that kind of notion of you're just given tools and then you can explore like breath of the wild or, you know, Elden ring that, that you're, you're given tools and you can explore and find things, find interactions that feel like they weren't intended. It's like actually, yeah, clearly if I can glide, then I meant to use that here, but actually I could go over to that other biome and switch to spectral realm and use that in such a way that maybe I can do X, Y, and Z. And just the fact that you're always, it's encouraging and inviting you to think about stuff, not just, what's on the screen in front of you and you need to get past that locked door. It's more like you're kind of mapping it out in your head as well. Um, as well yeah, as on the that, screen. Yeah. Cause that opens up the door to so many like optional areas, optional puzzles, optional rewards, optional, whatever optional pieces of narrative and like different characters mm. even by having that, that sort of thing um, only accessible if you've performed some, you know, really difficult or um, not necessarily even difficult, but like uh, some of them could be difficult to perform and others could just be, um, they're difficult to find in the first place. Like mm. you just got to keep your eyes, keep your eyes open. I think on the spectral realm side as well, and I'm just thinking purely visually, um, the original had that like, uh and it was good that they went for it because you know the, the amount of the amount of detail and the, the amount of polygons and lines that they could have was so small but they had that like german expressionist cinema look of like metropolis and nosferatu mm-hmm. and yeah. cabinet of dr Caligari, all of the, all of this stuff where all of the lines are like well, all of them but many of them are like slightly awkward yeah. and they're they're, they're yeah. and the perspective is a bit messed up and the contrast is incredibly high between like light and mm. light and shadow and light light and dark. Mm. Um, so keeping keeping that theme certainly in the spectral realm, maybe even just I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, but maybe even have it black and white and just have the whole thing black and white and be really <laughs> really high contrast black and white. And maybe because the original also had those splashes of color, right? They had like bright green and bright pink and yeah. neon blue. So. Maybe that can still be there with like your weapon or your attacks or 
or whatever like the moon in the sky can be you know yeah. some some yeah. fancy color not fancy color color other than white um to really drive home the difference between those two the the spectral and the material realm and like make the making the spectral realm like everything's kind of slightly off and slightly slightly weird gives it that like you know i don't belong here i shouldn't be here this is um this is not only like a sort of alien place but a place that's inherently difficult for me and the, the character and me as the player to like even comprehend um in a way that bears any resemblance to Mm. to like what i know and what yeah well and that that feeds very much so yeah that yeah the leaning on like some of the kind of phantasmagorical like the cosmic horror because there was like the whole elder elder god or i don't remember specifically what it was called but the elden god perhaps i'm thinking of elden ring uh there was like an elder god thing in that which is kind of a lovecraft type Mm. vibe but leaning very heavily into that something that is again it's not just oh Raziel is just like, oh, he's a, you know, <laughs> he's a sexy vampire or he's this cool dude. It, like it really, expl- it really leans into that, really explores it both, both visually and from a narrative standpoint, because there's like a, you know, this is again is about the whole vampire thing being kind of not particularly uh, well done or just not fully explored, I don't think. So in something like, again, going to D&D, something like the, the, um, the the vampire module in that where it explores curse the curse of Strahd, yeah, it explores who Strahd is, it explores what his motivations are, what the motivations are of somebody that is basically immortal. And here you're very explicitly told that a huge passage of time has passed. And something that explores like what that means. What does what happens when you have eternity to live? What happens when fifteen hundred years can go by and you still have memories of what happened all that time ago? Something that leans into that from a narrative standpoint. And also the macabre, yeah, this notion of like making you feel just slightly uncomfortable, like you don't quite belong. There's something off here. Um, I'd like to see that explored a bit more because, again, it's just not, you know, in a a remake like this, I think when you've got all of the extra processing power, you've got the ability to put that on the screen in perhaps a way that you couldn't before. It can be done stylistically, but also it can be done just very you know very literally just put it on the screen mm. in a in a in a very like actual render it actually show it um and make people feel slightly off returnal does this with some of its cutscenes. there's just weird like tentacle stuff and weird just things move in a weird way um mm. so something that leans into that and again really just plays on the idea of of these like the vampiric nature the immort- the the notion of immor- immortality like what does all of these things mean more than just Oh, this dude's fifteen hundred years old. That's cool. You know, like it's it actually is that there's a bit yeah. more to it than that. Um Yeah, but that yeah. could be explored with the interactions through the brothers. But you you mm. could also you could also have cutscenes that and I know that many not many games do this sort of thing, because they always want to keep it like player centric, like all all about the activity of the player character. But you could zoom out and yeah, have canes. Like yeah, you yeah. could have cutscenes of Kane, and Kane could be like looking over like what you're doing. So like you've so then you've always you've almost got this sense of as as um as you as Rezio in this world, it's all it's like you've always got this person watching. But I mean that's Lord of the Rings. So 
but um <laughs> and kane but, should be represented by this really big town um but you know like like so so you've got this sense of when you're playing so that that achieves two things it gives you um as the sense that you're always being watched that you're never safe that like you know more than Raziel, you you know that he's being watched all the time all of his movements all of his achievements all of his um, ability upgrades and whatever are being are being watched um but it also gives you a chance to investigate the Kane character more mm. as you're going along and make and make the Kane character feel part of every moment and yeah. have some sort of response to the big moments um so that when you're when you invariably come into contact with him later, it's not like it's just like, you, oh, he's just come back again. Like he left yeah. the room for five yeah. hours and now he's back later. Like yeah. you're actually more connected to him. So it's like a dual story going on. So you could see like potentially two perspectives. They wouldn't need to be necessarily different, but like different enough that you're, um, it invites the player to think about the world in a way that's bigger mm-hmm. than just seeing it through Raziel's eyes. You could, yeah, and do you know that's that's really uh, that's really interesting because the the one of the notes I've got is about seeing. I'd like to see Kane as a legend, as like a pre- as an as an ever present entity, as a like the world exists in the way that it does because Kane made a decision fifteen hundred years ago, two thousand years ago, and there isn't. I, I don't buy the idea that there's no way that there isn't anybody that exists in this world that doesn't know that they know who Kane is. They know like why they live the way they do. Mm. And so exploring that in exactly this way that you're talking about, having Kane be explored as not just a character, but as this like, like God effectively, this, you know, this ever present mm. entity that, and people are in fear of him. There's a couple of quick things to t- that tie into that with um, the, the idea of like i'd like to see how vampires live because this notion of like they will have had a solution to the fact that they need to feed this idea that every time they every time they need a meal or they get a bit peckish they they wander down to the local village and snatch away a maiden or whatever is nonsense like if you live for that amount of time you have a solution to this and it's a little bit like what um what they did in Blade, the films, the Wesley Snipes films, Blade, mm. uh, where it's like the vampires have got this sorted out. They've set up these factories, they've, you know, and, and it's just something. Well, that... they go clubbing and then they put the blood through yeah. the sprinkler system. <laughs> yeah, for the sake of like one human or something like that. Um, yeah, so they, yeah, something that, that explores that, something that explores Kane as this kind of omnipresent figure and that also explores the idea of like the old and the new. So there isn't a, oh, Kane is evil, that's the end of that, and Brazil's the hero or the anti-hero. It reminds me a little bit of um, like Ghost of Tsushima, where it's this clash of the old ideological way and the newer, well, this is what's going to get results kind of way. And having yeah, like these pra- kind of pragmatic way. Yeah, having, it's like, well, we, we have to abandon some of that if we want to, you know, this is our situation, so this is what we need to react to. Um, having some of that explored through Kane's musings and his conversations in these kind of cutscenes and interludes that you're you're talking about, and then having Raziel doing his thing gives you that duality. It's not just oh, I'm here to kill Kane because Kane's evil, you know. And then because that also then means that a lot of stuff gets pent up. And then when you do meet Kane, he then has to have a twenty minute monologue yeah. telling you know. And, but you could intersperse the game with all of this stuff, and then you feel a bit more conflicted it gives you a bit more to think about beyond just one character's point of view as exactly as you're you're talking about so and then the game ends on a cliffhanger 
do, do you <laughs> yeah. do this or do you do that um, yeah <laughs> something involving kane like do you kill kane or do you not or, or whatever yeah or is there a third choice does, does, does the coin land on its edge um yeah i thought about that i thought about would there need to be like and i think for a straight remake there wouldn't be but i was thinking would there need to be like bringing in elements of soul reaver 2 in to be able to wrap the story up or are we really saying that if you're remaking soul reaver then you also kind of need to remake soul reaver 2 as well because they were like two halves of a game really they they you know couldn't be done as one thing for logistical reasons but yeah how i do think you, you know how do you end it What's yeah I, I think that would be my preference i mean i'm not i'm, I'm not anything in terms of the remake i'm not the one with the budget strings but um i mean it would be good to announce like you know a series of games like a trilogy mm. like the trilogies being remade almost like you know final fantasy 7 remake being split into various games and that's just mm-hmm. one game being split mm-hmm. up but yeah this could be like a remake of the whole um story from yeah Soul and even reaver if it was just forwards. initially a we're remaking blood omen and soul reaver one to start with and if that goes down well then we'll look to progress you know it's like a bit like i don't know like going to see dune recently it was like well part two isn't a given unless it does reasonably well so you know come out and support it that i mean that would be yeah having those two things announced at the same time because blood omen i think i actually prefer blood omen to, to soul reaver but the in terms of a personal favorite but having yeah, having those two announced, and then it's like, well, maybe there'll be a, a, a remake of Soul Reaver two, or even just another, you know, a whole other sequel. Um, yeah, because I think you'd have to do it the other. I think you. I don't know how much on a narrative level, in terms of mm. what the games are offering, I don't know how much sense it would make to announce Blood Omen and Alexia uh, uh, Soul Reaver sequel because they are they can stand separately. Those yeah, two absolutely. things, yeah. whereas Soul Reaver needs the rest of the story, like from from the other games, in order to, yes. to be complete. Yeah, I think I it was I got so much out of playing Blood Omen, and then and then seeing this character that I'd played as, you know, it was, it was like that origin story, but not just in a in a, a cutscene or a flashback. I'd played as Kane. I I felt that I understood some of his motivations, or at least my interpretation of his motivations. And then to go into Soul Reaver and have him be effectively the antagonist was like, that's really cool. That doesn't happen very often. You know, it's again, keep bringing up D&D, but like there's the option to do that or the ability to do that in D&D where you can play through an origin story first in a separate like mini campaign or just a one-off kind of one shot. Um, But yeah, doing that here over many, many hours as Kane and then having him in Soul Reaver, that's for me, that's why I think the two are very directly linked and benefit hugely from each other it's quite a unique thing about them but Mm. logistically sure i mean it doesn't you know does that is that enough you can just you can just have a five minute cutscene at the beginning of soul reaver remake showing what's happened previously but getting to actually feel it that that was one of the things i think that's one of the enduring things for me that that like yes kane's still around in soul reaver but he's gone from being He's followed what seemed to, to me to be his natural path. Like at the end of Blood Omen, you get to pick good ending, bad ending. To me, it made no sense to pick like this good ending where everything's a delic and Cain sacrifices himself. I said, no, he's he's uh, he's fully bought into this now. Um, and that's that becomes canon for Soul Reaver. That's the ending that yeah. they, they picked up for Soul Reaver. Yes, I think we're starting on the Soul Reaver remake. You're, uh, again, to use Star Wars. Like you're doing essentially what Star Wars Episode Four and New Hope is, and you're ignoring the birth of Darth Vader and just saying, mm-hmm. 
Actually, it's no, it's Luke Skywalker. That's that's the important one. We don't need to mm. tell three stories worth of how Darth Vader came to be. Like that can be done later after we've got everyone to love Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I think it's yeah, I think that yeah. No, that approach. makes absolute sense. And I would take you know if it was a well, we can't you know there's no way we can we can finance and remake two games. You know, let's just focus on one. Cool, I'm up for a Soul Reaver remake for sure. Well, you do um, a full Soul Reaver remake, but then you do like a little indie team can do Blood yeah. Omen, and then you've got your budget sorted yeah. out. Well, it could be just re- remade almost adventure. as it was, you know, like remade from a top down, you know, very like single screen kind of on, you know, it's not like a, yeah, it's not 3D. It's just that. And then, yeah, maybe, maybe with a style that was like, what was it? Like Thronebreaker, the, um, uh, uh, the yeah, Witcher Gwent. sort of side story thing, Gwent. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah. Something that's a bit more like that as Blood Omen, which then gives you a good feel of who Kane is, what, you know, what he's doing, why he exists. And then, yeah, Soul Reaver is like a full on, fully fledged, semi open world, 3D narrative adventure with yeah. a good combat yeah. system, a decent, like, focus on abilities rather than skill trees unlocking new areas the soul reaver itself is like a multi-purpose tool and weapon that you can then take away to provide tension and provide different uh a different gaming experience once you lose that mm. um and that yeah deals with all the same kind of the existential stuff the the horror elements the philosophical stuff as well mm. yeah i mean this and, I, I mean I'll buy and it. just yeah that's uh but just to end it the final thing if you buy the £150 digital deluxe edition, then you get the Blood Omen remake as part of it. <laughs> Put it on Kickstarter. I'm sold. Yeah. And um, you get like five wallpapers and then that's done. Only for mobile. Though. I'm not, if it's not for mobile, I'm not interested. Yeah, well, obviously. An eternity passed and my torment receded, bringing me back from the precipice of madness. The descent had destroyed me Thank you very much for listening. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about who we are and who we become when playing as a character in a video game. So discussion will revolve around questions such as, are we ourselves when we're playing? Does our sense of self actually feel diminished when playing a game? Uh, To what extent do we think like we're acting as we understand the character to act in this world? Or are we acting how we like to think we'd act if we were suddenly transported there do we do we become a different person when playing some kind of combination of the character as written and our own our own vision of events so that's coming next week do subscribe to us on apple google spotify literally anywhere podcasts are found anywhere you think about getting a podcast from we're there and while there if you could leave us a five star review then that would be much appreciated and absolutely fantastic And finally, if you'd like to stay up to date with the books that we create and any special offers that occur and are applied to those books, then do visit IndieByDesign.net and follow us on Twitter. We are at IndieByDesign. Thanks for listening and see you again next time.